When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Get Booked Podcast, a weekly show for personalized reading recommendations. This is episode 144, and we are recording on August 10th. I'm Amanda Nelson, and I'm here with Jen Northington, and we are coming to you from Book Riot. Good morning. Long time no see. Yeah. Talk to you? I never know, never know what to say. <laughs> yeah, it's true. We don't see... Well, I see you on the internet. Does that count? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we just recorded like three days ago, but I'm out next week, so we're doing this one a little bit early. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I'm excited about what you're reading. I think I was last week, too. Yes. Well, oh, yeah, because last week, well, this is my continuing saga of things that I've finally gotten from the library. Oh, yeah. I love that saga. So last (laughs) week, it was Dread Nation, my hold, right? It was Dread Nation that had finally come in. And then this week, my hold on Trail of Lightning finally came in. So I was finishing up some reading for this show, and it is literally the next thing on my TBR. It's sitting right there. I can see it from here. I'm so excited to finally read it. Ugh. I know. I can't wait. I'm so excited to hear what you think about it. Yes. Well, I will let you what know. Did you hate it? Oh, no, I'm nervous. No, I'm not ah! going to hate it. I'm pretty sure I'm not going to hate it. I've read some of her other stuff. I feel very sure that I'm not going to hate it. Um, okay. And you're still on the Gail Carriger train. I am. It's like every now and then I have the, you know, I'm signed up for the one credit audible plan. Mm. Uh, so, which I inevitably finish before the before I get my next credit. So mm. I'm just in Libby, like... What is easy and on and on audio and kind of short and doesn't have any holds on it. And it inevitably is like a new Gail character book. So I'm hopping back and forth between the custard, whatever, the like YA series. And mm-hmm. then this one, the Parasol Protectorate series. I'm on the second one, which is called Changeless. Um, I actually prefer this one, like the older, the adult series to the, to the YA one. Um, there are queer characters in this Ooh. in the second one, which is nice, and I don't remember th- there being any in the first book. Um, and apparently, there's a lesbian character who I think has her own book eventually. So I'm excited to like me. I might just skip all the rest and just get to that one. <laughs> um, uh, so we'll see. But yeah, I, I, they're just so they're just fun. They're like great summer reads, Victorian steampunk with werewolves and vampires, mm-hmm. and a very saucy lady protagonist who reads nice. a lot like this is just yes I am, oh, give me all of this mm-hmm. <laughs> all right so how the show works as i said this is a show for personalized reading recommendations so if you are new around these parts that means you can send us your reading recommendation requests for anything if you need a book for yourself or as a gift or for your book club or whatever you can email them to us at getbookedatbookriot.com or you can drop your question in the form which is in the show notes on the site Um, Either way, if your question is time sensitive, please mention that in big letters in the subject line. If you use email, if you're using the form in the show notes, just put it in the first line so we can try to answer your question on time. Um, We might email you back if it's time sensitive and we're not going to get to it on the show. Or if your question has already been answered in an episode previous, we will email that uh, to you. Alrighty, Uh, we do have one piece of feedback or two pieces of feedback. Um, I apparently did not write down who gave this gave us this feedback so I, I'm sorry whoever this was thank you so much um, for Carol who was looking for books on translation 
Um, we have a recommendation for The Translator's Invisibility, A History of Translation by Lawrence Venuti, which is nonfiction uh, from a heavyweight in translation studies. That sounds real heavy. Mm-hmm. Dang, yeah. Um, and then also The Translator by Nina Schuyler, which is a novel in which a renowned translator loses her first language after a head injury. So she's left only with Japanese. So she moves to Japan, where she gets publicly disparaged by an author for her previous translation. So lots of drama happening there. Okay, um, Jen is going to read us our first question and tell us about our first sponsor, and then oh, we will yes. get going. All right. Our first question is from Jessica, who says, I typically read fantasy slash science fiction books, but I have recently been trying to branch out. I read Cork Dork by Bianca Bosker, which I found both charming and informative. Can you recommend similar nonfiction books when I send when I say similar, I don't necessarily mean the topic, but rather in style. I loved the experience of a light nonfiction book where I felt I was joining the author in their immersive learning process about a particular topic. Not looking for anything that is emotionally heavy, but rather something that sparks the desire to learn about something new. Indeed, we do. But first, our first sponsor, which I described on all the books uh, as a banana pants shake with a banana on top, is... <laughs> Temper by Nikki Drayden, who you might remember as the author of The Prey of Gods, which we have talked about approximately a billion times. Uh, Temper is her new book. It brings a thrilling blend of science fiction, horror, magic, and dark humor from uh, just all the corners of all the genres. Uh, It is about two twins, Abin and Kasim, and Abin's six vices are branded on his arm for all the world to see, marking him as the lesser twin. But he won't let his vices define him, even as as he's envious of his twin whose single vice brand is a ticket to a better life, one that likely will not involve Aben. The twin's strained relationship threatens to snap when Aben starts hearing voices that speak to his dangerous vices. If this is, it is, it really is banana pants. It takes place in a sort of alternate South Africa where like colonialism hasn't happened and there are demons who like get up to no good in the hot months and you know this this young teenager is hearing demonic voices and has blood cravings all of a sudden and BD um and it is a standalone. So if you are not a fan of series, this one is for you. If you like weird fiction, like if you are a Lauren Bucus or a Jeff Vandermeer fan, this one is for you. If you like some horror with your sci-fi and fantasy, like there is so much going on in this book. It's real. It's real intense, y'all. It's, it, is, it is just a ride. It's a ride. So that is Temper by Nikki Drayden. All right, let's see. So our f- I'm going to just keep talking. Um, I picked I, I Contain Multitudes by Ed Young for you um, because I think of this as exactly sort of what you're talking about. It's like a deep dive into an interesting subject with an author who does a good job of making it entertaining. Um, this one is about like microbes. So you are getting a super close examination of the bacteria and other microbes that live in animals, um, including like insects or squids or people or whatever. Um, and they're like microbes are part of our immune systems, even though they are these sort of separate things, right? And like bacteria, who knew, are part of how squid like can do their little invisibility cloak thing. Um, and there's all of these fun, fascinating details that you'll learn, and it will give you a total case of the diginos. And he's just really good and it's really fascinating 
fascinating and it's not something I mean like I'm both like don't want to think about the things in my like the little tiny like bacteria living in me and but also it's interesting it's like one of those books for me um so again that's I Contain Multitudes by Ed Young Okay, I picked The Earth Moved on the Remarkable Achievements of Earthworms by Amy Stewart, which I listened to on audio and was just charming. Like, Amy Stewart is just a charming and very conversational narrator and writer. And this is about just the weirdest. (laughs) Um, A a really deep dive into something so odd and specific, um, earthworms. And it's it's a little squicky. Like, there are parts where I... um, like just made that noise a lot. Like, so she talks about earthworms in the U.S., which they're not native to the U.S., which I didn't know, and how most of us think of earthworms as like these friendly um, little guys that live in the soil and, you know, make our gardens nice and are great for composting. And that is true. But I did not know that earthworms, as they are moving westward, are actually like destroying some ecosystems. But and there's really nothing they, that can be done to stop them because we don't live under the ground and cannot see them or control <laughs> them at all. Um, and so that was all like new information. And there's a part where she talks about these giant Australian earthworms that I can't that are real (laughs) and they can get up to like 10 feet long and they're so big. I know they're so big that farmers in Australia say that you can hear them like when they're moving under the ground and they leave behind a scent of a specific flower. I think it was a lilies. So you like know when they're in the area because you smell lilies. And if you're quiet enough, you can like actually hear it's tremors. Y'all that's some nonsense right there. Australia. Like, I'm not going to eat you, but still the size of Tremors in Australia. Um, and she also talks a lot about Darwin. Darwin had, like, a weird personal obsession with earthworms and did a lot of interesting experiments with them, like, in his house, just out of curiosity um, about their intelligence or lack thereof. They're a lot smarter than you think for, like, a thing that doesn't really have a, a brain. Um, and that you can't tell, like, which end is which. But they can tell, which is, I guess, what matters. Um, but it is, you will, you will have such a case of did you knows. Did you know that there are giant 10-foot earthworms in Australia? I now you do. And you can learn more about that in this book. That's The Earth Moved by Amy Stewart. I know. Okay. Um, question two is from Cell. And this is a two-parter, so we split it up. Uh, she says, I'm writing to request help with birthday gifts for my niece and my nephew. The birthdays are in early t- September. The niece will be six. She likes books but doesn't reach for them herself. Um, if I'm reading a book out loud, she'll drop what she's doing and come sit by me to listen. She has an older sister who's a bookworm and feels left out if anyone talks about books and she can't join in. Um, she's starting to learn, to ha- started learning how to read and will sound out letters, but she's self-conscious about it and hasn't really learned to enjoy a story yet because of that. She's very quick at math, loves riddles, and is very extroverted. She loves to wear matching accessories with her dresses, and she once told me that her most favorite thing in the world is to eat dinner with her family. That's adorable. Mm-hmm. Um, the second part is about her nephew. He will be four. He loves to be read to. He especially likes picture books with a good dose of facts with fiction, like Pops Bridge, which is his favorite. I would like to buy him another picture book about famous bridges. No car, train, plane, construction, emergency vehicle books, please. He has all of them and insists that he's moving on from that phase of life. <laughs> I love that. That's so good. Okay, Jen, you take the niece, and I 
have taken the nephew. Yes. So I love graphic novels for kids for this age where they're like not confident readers yet, but they want to read because you can look at the pictures and tell yourself the story even if you can't read the exact words. So my pick for your niece is Zeta the Space Girl by Ben Hackey, which I love so much. And there's more than one of these now. So if she likes it, there's more where that came from. I have yet to meet a little girl who did not, or a little boy for that matter, actually, who did not love this book. Um, And memorably, one of my bookselling colleagues' daughter decided that she wanted to be Zeta the Space Girl one Halloween, and the costume (laughs) was amazing. So what it's about is a little girl named Zeta who is, like, playing with her best friend, you know, in, like, the field behind the house or whatever. And there is, like like, a meteor that comes out of the sky and crashes near them. And they go, look, and there's a big red button. So they push the big red button and they get sucked into outer space. Um, And there are aliens and robots and a giant mouse. And she has to figure out how to save her friend. And, you know, it's all kinds of, like, action-y fun hijinks. Um, It's so fun. And the author, Ben Hatke, has little girls specifically, but children himself. Um, And I really feel like he knows what kind of stories kids like to listen to. And the art is so fun. The pictures are so engaging. The colors are great. It's just wonderful. It's just like, it's just great. Uh, so I really think that that might be a good option for her because she can sit and tell you the story, whether or not she can read the exact like speech bubbles. Um, so that's Zeta the Space Girl by Ben Hatke. Okay. I picked for your nephew Here to There and Me to You by Cheryl Keeley, which is a picture book about bridges as requested. Um, the thing I like about this particular one, it is, it is very much about like, you know, the different versions of engineering that are used to construct bridges, suspension bridges, stone arches, all those sorts of things. And there's all, there are almost two storylines or two different kinds of texts happening in this picture book. There's the big main text about like, here's what kind of bridge this is. And there's also the smaller text on the side that talks about the bridge specifically pictured and how it's built and gets into a little bit more technical kind of engineering details about it. Um, but it it also focuses on not just the engineering, architectural, whatever aspects of building bridges, but also how bridges are used to build relationships and how bridges, you know, entire purpose are to connect people together. So it's got a nice like sociological angle. Also, it doesn't that just make you want to pick up. It's nice and sociological. Great for kids. <laughs> nonsense. But it does. Like it makes it it's not just about the science and the STEM. It's also about the people aspect of bridges. Um, and the art is really cute. And there you go. So that's Here to There and Me to You by Cheryl Keeley. Nice. Our next question is from April, who says, I'm curious if you could recommend any novels told in verse. I have recently read and enjoyed The Watch That Ends the Night and Long Way Down, which was excellent on audio as read by Jason Reynolds himself. When I was younger and much angstier, I also read and enjoyed several Ellen Hopkins books, which, upon reflection, are in line with what I want in regards to form but not content. Um, I don't have any particular topics or genres in mind for this request. The Poet X is already on my list. Uh, Amanda, what you got? Okay, I picked Inside Out and Back Again by Tan Halai, which is a YA, YA, yeah, like YA middle grade um, novel told in verse. Um, it's semi autobiographical. It's about a 10 year old girl named Ha who lives in Saigon in the 70s, right before the fall of the city during the Vietnam War. And it opens um, 
during the war when she is living with her family. Her father was in the Vietnamese Navy and has been gone for several years uh, since the fighting started. He disappeared and hasn't come back. Um, so her mother is alone and raising four children, three boys, and Ha, the girl, um, by herself. Things are getting harder and harder as the war carries on. Um, food is harder to come by. Money in general is harder to come by. Um, and so as rumors reach Saigon that the communists are coming and that the city is going to fall, um, their neighbor helps them escape. They get onto a refugee ship, a naval ship that is fleeing, um, and the ship is eventually rescued, like it just sets itself afloat, and the ship is eventually rescued by uh, an American naval ship, and they are taken as refugees to Guam and then to uh, Alabama is where they eventually end up, which is exactly what happened to the author. Her family fled Saigon when she was 10. Um, they were rescued by the American Navy, and then she ended up in Alabama, which is where the um, her, her sponsor, the refugee sponsor family lived. And then it's about her life as a small child in elementary school in the 70s who doesn't speak English, um, who is from a country that, you know, the U.S. had been at war either for or against, depending on, you know, what part of it you're talking about, um, for, all, you know, several years in a very unpopular conflict. So they face a lot of struggles. Her mother has to find a job. The older boys have to find jobs. They all have to learn how to speak English. It's Alabama. So they're all expected to get baptized and go to church. And they're not, they're Buddhists. So they're not like into that at all. Um, and make adjustments. But Ha is a great character. Like she, she really tried. Like she learns English very quickly. Um, and not out of any like, oh, I have to assimilate, but so she can defend herself from from bullies and like understand what they're saying to her. She can tell that they're making fun of her, but she can't tell what they're saying. So she wants, she keeps saying in the verses, like, I want to feel smart again. And that's her driving motivation to learning English and um, figuring out how to like the, the local, you know, kind of customs of Alabama, which are, of course, nothing like what she's used to. And even little things like trying to find fish sauce that's not horrible or any kind of food that resembles food from back home. There are nice moments of kindness. There are people in her town who were who were very nice and helpful to her and her family. So that's um, that was nice to read. It's just a very, uh, I don't know, not heartwarming, but um, illuminating kind of book about, about a specific refugee experience that I had never really read about. So that's Inside Out and Back Again by Tan Ho Lai. I picked Brown Girl Dreaming by Jacqueline Woodson, which is theoretically a middle grade novel, but I felt like reading it as an adult, and especially because Woodson does write both for adults and for children, like as a grown up reading this book, there were layers that I think were accessible to me that might not, you might not pick up on when you're 10, even though the words are accessible to you. So I think this is a hundred percent worth reading as an adult and also give it to children. Um, but this is sort of a, a memoir. Um, it's actually technically not a novel. It is about her childhood. She grew up partly in South Carolina and partly New York, like spent like part of the year in each of those places um, in the 1960s and the 1970s. And obviously those were very different experiences. Um, so, you know, like Jim Crow is still sort of hanging around and the civil rights movement is picking up and her experience of those things in South Carolina and New York is really vivid and clear in a way that is like, it, I think if you're a kid, it's, it's a little bit subtle. Like it's not like, you're not, you're not going to miss it, but it's not, you know, 
I don't even know what word I'm looking for here, but anyway, I, it's, but as a grown up who knows something about those things, you're just like, Oh, I know exactly like the background to this poem, for example, um, like this one poem, you know, that I just can see the background because I have the context and it's just so well done. She's so good. She's such a good writer. She's so good with words. Um, and you, I have these, you know, like I read this a couple years ago at this point and, um, I still have these very vivid pictures of like, you know, her playing in the street with her friends or like what their school was like, which was not great. Um, or, you know, like being to dinner with family, like all of these just beautiful moments that she recounts from her childhood are still in my head years later. So I, I just think this is amazing. I won all kinds of awards for good reasons. Um, but yeah, if you haven't picked it up yet and then, and then you should read all of Jacqueline Watson's books cause they're great. Um, but if you're specifically looking for ber- for verse, uh, Brown Girl Dreaming by Jacqueline Woodson, really, really good. All right, our next question is from Megan, who says, I tend to read a lot of literary fiction, but I love a page-turning psychological thriller every now and then. Unfortunately, all the thrillers I read seem to be by white, usually British, women. Can you please recommend some twisty thrillers by people of color, so women if possible? I have already read and enjoyed Ada Kalak and Sujata Masi. I'm looking for more of a pure thriller along the lines of B.A. Paris, Claire McIntosh, etc. Something fun and easy to read, not a cerebral mystery. Okay, I picked The Lost Ones by Sheena Kamal, which is the first book in the Nora Watts um, series. The second one just came out. Yeah, the second one is called It All Falls Down, and it just came out uh, this year, like last month, I think. Um, so Nora Watts is a private investigator who's spe- who like specializes in detecting lies. Like she has developed this fascinating skill to tell when people are full of crap. And her boss, her bosses are, you know, it's a private investigation firm. They bring her in to uh, witness or to watch witness interviews um, and then tell the PIs if the person is telling the truth. And Nora herself is kind of a mess. She has substance abuse problems. She's been in and out of rehab, in and out of, you know, NAAA kind of organizations. And she is currently living, unbeknownst to her bosses, in their basement with her dog. (laughs) And her dog is really cool and, like, is a character in the book. His name is Whisper. The dog is great. Um, And so this is what she does. She helps find lost lost missing persons for the most part and that, you know... um, witnesses these these uh, interviews. And then one day in the middle of the night, she gets a, a phone call, which we all know phone calls in the middle of the night are not great, from somebody who says, uh, from a man who says that his daughter is missing and he specifically wants her help. So she goes to meet the man and his wife and they tell her about their teenage daughter who is a kind of a chronic runaway. She's done this before, but she always comes home. Um, and because she has a history of running away, the cops won't help. And so, you know, Nora's like, well, I don't, okay. <laughs> like, what do you want? Why did you call me specifically? And they reveal to her that their daughter is actually her daughter, that she gave up when she, for adoption when she was born. Um, and they have used their own PI to track down the birth mother. And when they did that, they found out that she herself is a private investigator. And so they're thinking, well, um, you could help us. You have to help us because this is your, your daughter. And so Nora is like, <laughs> do I want to get involved? And, you know, she, she's not, She's her character has been compared to Elizabeth Salander. So she, you know, in that you can tell she's not like this wholesome, like, yes, I will help you find my long lost missing daughter. She's mostly just like, oh, no. Um, So there's that storyline. And there's then there is a separate storyline about a woman who wakes up after having been beaten up 
um, and Left for Dead. And you follow her storyline also. She's been the witness to like some gang violence. And then you find out if or how these things are all connected. So it is very thrillery. Um, there's a lot going on. But the thing that it's not cerebral, I, I wouldn't say, but it is, I think it's got a bit of a literary, literary kind of twist because Nora is such a character. Like you are reading this book to find out what happened, but also because Nora is like, so fascinating and such a screw up in a lot of ways, but also in the same way that Elizabeth Salander is a total mess, but totally together. Nora is just like that. Like she's a total mess, but also somehow keeps on chugging and it's just interesting to watch or read. So that's The Lost Ones by Sheena Kamal. Sounds like it has some Claire DeWitt shades to it too. Mm-hmm. A little bit. Um, I picked Yesterday by Felicia Yap for you. It is a touch of sci-fi, um, but I don't think it's like super, like I don't think it's like annoyingly concepty. I think it just like helps uh, move the plot along. So this setting for this is sort of our world, except that some people can remember two days worth of memories and some people can only remember one. And like, that's just how everybody is. You're either a mono who you have one day of memory and that's most of society or there are duos who can remember two days worth of society and they're like, fancier so if you're a mono you can't hold high office and they you're like excluded from demanding jobs and if you're a duo like you have more memories so you can do more things is the theory um in the main couple claire and mark are a mixed marriage in this situation claire can a mono can only remember one day and mark can remember two um and they're they seem like the perfect couple but you know as soon as you open the book that like there's something wrong and claire is like Claire knows there's something wrong, but she doesn't know what because she can't remember. And then a woman turns up dead. Her body is dumped in the river and the woman is Mark's mistress and he is the prime suspect. So now you've got a bunch of different narratives going on. You have Claire, you have Mark, you have the investigator and you get the victim's perspective. But it just bounces all between them until you try like trying to figure out like who is the killer? What happened here? Um, and it's all complicated by the fact that that it's like a little bit like the pitch for this um according to the publicist or publisher is like philip k dick meets memento and i think that's like relatively accurate like that will give you a little bit of an idea like it's weird and it's like a different kind of society and then there's this memory thing and it's definitely a patron you're like oh my gosh what is going on and why can't anybody remember um so yeah i feel like that will scratch the itch that you have so that's yesterday by felicia yap all right, we're going to talk about our second sponsor, which is us. Yay! Book Riot Insiders. Hey-o. So the best part of the Book Riot Insiders, I'm just going to jump right in because that's my opinion, is the new release index, which is curated by Liberty Hardy, who's the host of all the books, and I'm sure all of you know who she is, that helps you keep track of the most exciting upcoming books. And you can wish list upcoming releases that you're dying to read. Insiders also get exclusive podcasts, behind-the-scenes newsletters from Book Riot staff, which they love, mm-hmm. which is so surprising to me. Like, I, I, I don't know. I find my workflow, like, not that interesting. But other people do. It's like the, the computer mouse thing. <laughs> Yes. It's just fat pe- the things that people are into. I love it. It's great. Um, we do giveaways that are exclusive to the Book Riot Insiders. So you can sign up for a monthly or a yearly novel-level subscription, and the first 14 days of that will be free. So you can go to bookriot.com insiders to find out more about the perks and the different levels that you can subscribe to. Um, but the free trial is for novel subscription, monthly or yearly, either one. And you can look at pricing and all of those fun, fun details. So go check that out. Bookright.com slash insiders to find out. Mm-hmm. 
All right. Yes. Our next question is from Maggie, who says, My sister loved The Heart's Invisible Furies by John Boyne, and she is pining for another long, drawn-out, depressing story, which is my take. She also loves East of Eden and The Awakening. I like I like the commentary on this one. <laughs> um, I am using this question as an excuse to bring back Homegoing by Ya Jesse because it is long, and it is drawn-out, and it is a little bit depressing, and it's so good. It's so good. Um... Actually, I guess it's not that long. It's only 300 pages, but in my head, this book is like massive because it just covers so much scope. It starts uh, sort of 300 years-ish ago in Ghana and then goes a little bit into the future in America. And it follows these two half-sisters who are born in 18th century Ghana. They don't know each other. The book watches their lives as they take very different tacks. So one of them, Effia, is married off to an Englishman and sort of ensconced in, you know, the Cape Castle. And she knows that this is a slave trading post, but she herself is protected from it. And then her half-sister, she doesn't realize, um, Essie, is literally sold into slavery through the very dungeon that her half-sister lives in um, and gets sent off to America. And then the book, the chapters follow their descendants in... um, and around the world. Um, and you get this amazing sort of sweeping global and family history. It is obviously very hard to read in some places because it is very unflinching when it looks at slavery and the impact of slavery both in Africa and in America and what those lives were like. But it also has these elements of humor and also some really hopeful moments. Um, and the the ending is just so beautifully done. Um, And yeah, Jesse just really digs into this multi-generational family saga in a way that I just found profoundly impressive and so moving. I mean, I'm going to be thinking about this book till the day I die. It's so good. Um, So that again is Homegoing by Yeah, Jesse. Yeah, cosign. Okay, my pick is Pachinko by Min Jin Lee, which I... It has depressing parts. I wouldn't know that I would call the whole thing depressing, but it is a multi-generational epic in the style of East of Eden um, and definitely has parts where you will cry. So take that as you will. Uh, It's a a historical fiction. It opens in 1911 in a small fishing village in Korea. And the main character is a a girl named Sunja uh, whose mother and father own and run a boarding house in this little village. Um, Her father dies, and so she's left with her mother... Um, helping her, you know, run the boarding house. And then she gets pregnant by a married man who who is obviously not going to marry her because he's already married. Um, and so the family faces ruin. Uh, and then they're sort of rescued almost by one of their boarders who is, who's named Isaac, who is a Christian minister who is going to Osaka, to Japan, um, to take up a job. And he offers to marry her uh, in order to kind of get her out of that situation and take her far away so that, you know, no one will know her shame kind of a thing. Um, And so she accepts and they leave, they go to Japan, Um, they move in with Isaac's brother and his wife, who are very welcoming and friendly. Um, And you kind of follow their family's story from there. So, you know, through World War II um, and on up through, I think it's almost 80 years and four generations of terrible decisions and excellent decisions and circumstances completely beyond their control. There's a lot in there about the Japanese oppression of Christians in the early 20th century, which I didn't really know much about, um, and about the living conditions of Koreans in Japan. You know, Japan was a colonial power at that point and had taken over um, and was, was really treating Korean people 
terribly. Um, and then what happens to them is that gets harder and harder as the war continues and the emperor becomes more and more kind of psychopathic almost. Um, and the, just the things that they have to do to survive, both keeping their identity as Koreans intact, but also, you know, like find food, like all of those aspects of what it is to survive in a hostile country um, come to the fore. And, and you are just like, you are so rooting for these people. Um, and yeah, there are lots of crying. I just, lots of crying. And it is a chunkster. So if she, it seems like she's the sort of reader who wants to get in a story and, and be immersed for a long time if she liked the Boyne. So I think this is a, a good cop. So that's Pachinko by Min Jin Lee. Okay, is it my turn? Mm -hmm. It is. Oh, yeah. Okay, so Leslie um, says, I'm a fairly recent romance reader. I have a few go-to authors, Courtney Milan, Tessa Dare, Rose Lerner, Alyssa Cole, and Alicia Rye. I've recently been reading Courtney Milan's Worth series and Alicia Rye's Forbidden Heart series. I love them both, and the thing that has drawn me in the most isn't so much the romance, but the family dynamics, secrets, and intrigues. I'm especially a sucker for reunion scenes with lost or estranged family members. Do you know of other romance series that center around families with similar themes? If it wasn't clear, excuse me, I have a strong preference for romance with a feminist bent. Any subgenre is good. Okay, I'll just keep going. I picked the Southern Eclectic series by Molly Harper, um, which I think at this point is two books and then two like in betweeny kind of books, like a prequel and, you know, like 0 0.5 kind of a thing. Um, so there are about four stories that you can read. And these all take place in a little Georgia town called Lake Sackett. They are contemporary novels. Um, and the first one is um, about a woman who is, her name is Margot. She lives in Chicago. She's an event planner and like a very sophisticated person. And then like overnight, her life falls apart. Her, her One of her events goes really poorly. Um, she gets blackballed from the event planning scene. She's like almost homeless. And then out of the blue, her great aunt from Lake Sackett, Georgia calls her and asks her to come back home and help run an event for wait for it, the McCready family funeral home and bait shop, <laughs> which exists in the same building. That They're the same. That's the same. Just right. You need, you need a funeral. You need some worms. There you go. Uh, and she agrees. Cause like, what else is she going to do? No one in Chicago was hiring her. So she goes back to, uh, she goes back to Georgia and meets the like family dynamic here is that her, she was estranged from her father. So she is not close does not know anything about, completely does not, is unfamiliar with her father's side of the family. So all of it is one big reunion scene. And it's not just, I don't know this part of my family and now I'm, you know, having to go meet all of these people. But it's also such a culture shock going from high life sophisticated Chicago to McCready's family funeral home and bait shop uh, and all that that entails. Um, and while she's there trying to get her life together and like, find some footing in a town where everybody knows your business uh, and like what you're going to wear to church. If you go to church or don't go to church, you're expected to go to church kind of a thing. She meets a very nice elementary school teacher who is going to, you know, show her around the town, which takes all of five minutes and then maybe find something else to do. <laughs> um, but people in the neighborhood are like not into it because he is one of the town's most and only uh, eligible bachelors and who is this outsider coming in and snapping him up when we have all of these women here who need to find a man, you know, kind of a thing. So there's like lots of family drama. There's lots of small town drama. And there is a good bit of romance and lots and lots of southernness, which I find charming <laughs> being from, you know, around these parts. So that is the first one is called Sweet Tea and Sympathy. Um, and the series is called Southern Eclectic by Molly Herber. 
I am recommending Seducing the Sedgwicks by Cat Sebastian. That's the name of the series. The first one is It Takes Two to Tumble. And this series is about each one follows a brother, not dissimilar um, to, uh, for example, Courtney Milan's um, uh, Turner Men series. And um, it is a Regency. And Cat Sebastian writes male, male. So um, this is, yeah. It's, it's gay. Um, and oh my gosh, these books are very steamy and so have so much heart to them. And this first one, It Takes You to Tumble, is sort of like The Sound of Music, but gay in Regency times, <laughs> which is, I, I think like if you are a person that's going to appeal to, you are already looking it up on the internet. Like go, go forth. Um, so the, one of the heroes is a, um, Philip is like a ship's captain and he's been away for years and his wife has died and his children are like he's getting these letters telling him that his children are are monsters all of the governesses and the tutors quit and you know like there's something has to be done about your children um and he's got two months of shore leave so he's like oh, all right i guess i'll go home and like figure out how to deal with this but he really doesn't know he hasn't been home in years he doesn't know how to do it without his wife who's been dead like he just ugh. and then on top of it he had a shipboard romance and the the um the guy he was involved with died. So he's like he has a lot of feelings that he doesn't want to be having. Like he is not a feelings kind of guy. So he's just like stamp stamp feelings like we'll just discipline this into everybody will get disciplined and everything will work out and you're like oh lord this is not gonna work um and then the other hero ben is the country vicar oh so cute um and he gets called in while the captain is still away like y'all somebody has to do something about these children like you're good with kids you go up there and like deal with them so when the captain like the ship's captain shows up at home he finds the vicar up in a tree with his children he's like what is going on here like very gruff and like whatever um and so the book is about them sort of you know obviously having a romance but they both have a lot of different kinds of baggage um like Phillips, I've already talked about, and Ben had a very sort of haphazard and unreliable upbringing, and all he wants in life is like a safe, perfect, cozy home. And he feels like the way that he gets that is by marrying a woman and like being a quiet country vicar. And this like thing that he is feeling for the captain is like not going to lead him to that safe, comfy, quiet home. Um, and so he's sort of having to deal with that. And he is estranged from his brothers for reasons that you will find out as the series goes along. I've read the first two and really enjoyed them. And there is the third one isn't out yet. Um, that is why I haven't read it yet. But yeah. And the second one is a gentleman never keeps score. And it's they're just they're really good. And they have so many feelings and they have family feelings. And I mean, again, like a sound of music, but gay, like, just go read it. Just go read it. So, so again, that's It Takes Two to Tumble by Cat Sebastian. All right. Our last question is from Carol, who says, most of the time I prefer more quote unquote serious novels, but when I'm in a reading slump or just exhausted from a heavy book, I like to pick up quick indulgent reads to get me back on track. Uh, the last few times this has happened, I've picked up books like Kira Cass's The Selection series and Jillian Dodd's Spy Girl series. Um, I love the premises, strong female lead, escape of settings, some sort of political conspiracy, uh, a regular girl gets end up hanging out with royalty. 
But I feel like these books miss so many opportunities to really be amazing because the girls get caught, so caught up in the romances that the political intrigue gets put on the back burner. I'm paraphrasing a little here. Can you re- recommend similar but better options? Doesn't have to be YA or series, but should be something I can read in only a few sittings. Um, Amanda, what you got? Okay, I picked Forest of a Thousand Lanterns by Julie C. Dow, which um, the sequel I don't think is out yet. I just got the galley, so it probably comes out at the end of the year. So by the time you finish reading this one, hopefully the uh, the second one will be out. Um, and this is a East Asian fantasy kind of reimagining of like Snow White and the evil the evil queen, specifically about the evil queen. Um, the main character's name is Jay Feng. She's 18 years old and is beautiful, like stars of a line, perfect face, beautiful. She is a nobody, though. Like, she lives, she's a peasant in a village on the edge of the map, you know. And her, she's being raised by her aunt, whose name is Guma, who is a witch and his, is terribly cruel to her. And Guma ha- reads her tarot cards and has seen in her future that she is destined, in, in Jiefeng's future, that she is destined to be empress of their nation. Um, which, of course, you know, to a peasant girl sounds a little bit ridiculous, but she's grown up her whole life hearing this. And so she started to believe it. Uh, and so in order to get there, she has to you know, reject the, the boy who she loves, who she's been in love, or no, who loves her. She doesn't so much love him, but um, he's very good to her. And she has to give up her future and potential happiness with him and kind of go down this very dark road of making a series of increasingly darker and darker and darker choices. Um, it is really creepy. <laughs> like there's a lot of very, very dark kind of magical stuff. The way that she heals her injuries and becomes more powerful um, is a little gross. Like it, it's violent. Uh, there's a lot of murder. <laughs> and she she's not a uh, Disney princess, this character. Like she, she her moral compass is very skewed um, and she is trying to fulfill her destiny because she thinks she deserves it. She thinks she deserves to be empress, um, both because it is, you know, what she was born to do and the stars and blah, 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 uh, but also because she feels like she is important. Like she's kind of not, I don't want to say full of herself, but she feels like she could do a good job. Um, But the farther she gets down this road of making these increasingly more immoral decisions, um, the less worthy she becomes of being the empress. Uh, and But, you know, if you're familiar with the Snow White story, then you know that she does eventually get there. Uh, and then the second book deals with her stepdaughter, who's, like, kind of the, you know, Snow White sort of character. Uh, and who, like, lives off in the woods. It's it's really good. Um, but this one I love because the romance is at the... You know, normally with YA fantasy novels that have romance, it builds to the end. But this is the opposite. Like, the romance is heavy at the beginning. And then as she becomes more and more of a terror, the romance becomes less and less of a thing. And she gets really deeply involved in palace intrigue and political intrigue. And she is a girl who comes from nothing, who ends up, um, you know, circulating with royalty and very, very important people. I read it in an afternoon. I just loved it. So that's Forest of a Thousand Lanterns by Julie C. Dow. All of the cosigns. <laughs> I love that book. I have got to, I, I know I just need to like download the sequel to my, um, little tablet-y thing, but I just haven't had time. But, oh, man, I love that first book so much. You know what I really love about this, now that, now that I'm thinking about it, is that she's not, like, so often villainous female characters, especially in YA, are portrayed to be, you know, like, sociopaths. But she's not. Oh, she's, yeah. She's, no. She's just a normal person who makes terrible choices. Yeah, in the the book, like, you can see her... 
reasoning for making mm-hmm. those terrible choices and it is like internally consistent like in some cases i even agree with her to a certain extent but then she keeps mm-hmm. going and you're like oh gosh friend yeah. too, um, far, too far too, too far, far. <laughs> yeah roll it back um and so but yeah i mean it's it's an anti-heroine story i guess but i found her very compelling and i was like yeah, I could, I like, I could see it. Like, I just could see it. Um, and so many of the choices, you're like, well, there is no other option. Right. Like, there's not another good one, certainly. Yeah. And yeah, so I mean, the option was to stay home and never do anything, right? So like, it's really, I, th- yeah, gosh, 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 gosh. Like, I love that book. <laughs> really good, really, really good. Um, my other favorite anti-heroine story is *The Bone Witch* by Rin Chipeko, which is what I recommended for you. It is a little on the longer side; it's like 400 pages, but I felt like they were very fast pages. Um, So you can judge for yourself. This is about a young woman who... It's really interesting. So Taya is the main character. And you get two timelines. And in one of them, she is like this dark sorceress assembling an undead beast army. Like far far from civilization. And like being interviewed about it by this bard. And you're just like, what is happening? And then you sort of get these flashbacks to her her like pre to how she got there um but this is a first book in a series and you do there is a cliffhanger and you do not get the full story it is very much book one in a series um the second book is out i loved it i thought it was a great second installment um but this one um you at the end you're just like oh my God, like, well, I don't even know how we're going to get to where I know we're going. Like, what is happening? Um, but Taya lives in this world where magic is real and particularly like necromancy, among other things, is real. And she discovers that she has the power to raise the dead by accident at the funeral for her beloved older brother, um, who is a soldier and who was killed in battle. And, you know, they they bring his body home to bury him. And she's at the funeral. And like the next thing she knows, like he's rising out of the ground and like is now her like companion her undead companion um and so everybody figures out hmm, um that she has these powers and so she has to be sent off to be trained in them and um the asha um have a bunch of different kinds of powers that's what they call the witches in this situation um and hers is like a particular kind that is both feared but also very uh, used by the aristocracy and the monarchy um, for their own purposes. So, like, they want her to do it, but they only want her to do it on their terms. And Taya is not exactly in love with authority figures. So, so, and there is a romance, but, like, it is, and it is part of the book, but it is her, like, you, you know that there's a much bigger picture all of the time. And she never loses sight, really, of her own personal goals. And I just love her so much. Oh, I love it so much. And this world is so lush and immersive and there's all these details and you're just like, oh, I just, I feel like I'm there. I feel like I know these people and I understand, like I can see these, you know, schools and the tea houses and the court and all of that stuff. It's got all of it. Um, So again, that's The Bone Witch by Rin Chupeco. And that's our show. Huzzah! Man, we we powered through that one. Yeah, we did. Look at that, 48 minutes. All right, good job, us, Dustin Mitchell. So thank you all so much for listening. You can leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. And thank you to our sponsors for sponsoring the show. You can find me on social media. I'm on Instagram at I'm Amanda Nelson and Jen. I am still mostly on Tumblr these days. It's jenirl.tumblr.com, and that's Jen with two N's. 
and we will talk to y'all next week.